But let's start in the region because a spat has broken out between Indonesia and the United Nations after the parliament in the world's biggest Muslim nation passed a new criminal code. It includes tougher laws against sex outside marriage. But for many Indonesians, though, the new code simply upholds the founding ideology of post-colonial Indonesia. Erwin Rinaldi is the ABC's Indonesia specialist. This is like a repeating history. Remember about the Pancasila, about how the five principles were set out by the Indonesian first president Sukarno and founding fathers during the formulation of the 1945 constitution. It was intended to be a compromise between the nationalist and Islamist group. So I think this is also happening again. What we see now with the new laws, with the new criminal code in Indonesia, it represents a compromise between the nationalist and Islamist group. And I would say nationalists, for example, they drove provision that not only retain existing criminal charges for expression of support for communists or Marxists or Leninists, but also like ban expression of ideas that contradict Pancasila. Mm. And at the same time, the new laws which also bans all sexual relations outside of marriage, it represents a major victory for Islamist group, that's what the experts say. You've been mentioning there the national ideology of Panchasila. Now, Panchasila, as you say, is a blend of religious pluralism, but also some Mm. kind of social democracy as well. I thought Panchasila was quite a popular set of founding principles in Indonesia. Why does it need protection? Who is out there insulting Panchasila? You made a very good point that it is a compromise between the nationalist and Islamist group because the first principle is like believe in one almighty God and civilized humanity, the unity of Indonesia, democracy guided by wisdom of deliberation among representative and also social justice. Why does it need to be a protection? I think maybe because there has been like a incorrect of interpretation of Pancasila and how Pancasila is has been using not only those in power, it has been also like easily manipulated and used as an authoritarian tool for those who want to misuse it. And it happened before. So I guess this is the reason why Pancasila is becoming like a panacea, like a holy ideology for Indonesian. How serious is the challenge from the more orthodox or conservative Islamists? Because Indonesia remains by and large a moderate Muslim country. But I notice, for example, that uh, Jokowi, the president, has as his vice president a major Islamic leader. He's a very respected figure, but he is a very sectarian figure as well. So how serious is the challenge from uh, a stricter form of Islam? I think Jokowi already saw this as a problem. And maybe I wouldn't say only Jokowi, though. Like everyone, particularly those who are very actively engaged in political spheres in Indonesia, particularly as the 2024 election approach. So many experts that uh, we interview, for example, suggest that not only Jokowi or his allies in parliament cannot isolate conservative Muslim groups. And this is reflected on the polarizing presidential election in 2019. Jokowi government has imposed a repressive 
pluralist agenda to counter political opposition, for example, by banning Islamic groups and like uh, religiously conservative civil servants. So it is a threat for, you know, like democracy in Indonesia, even though majority of the population are Muslim. But we cannot discount the voices of the minorities, mm. the Christians, the Hindu and the Buddhists as well. And also it's against the Ironically, you know, because Sukarno intended for having this Pancasila because he was concerned that if Islam were made the state religion, as Islamists back then were demanding. So it could be a serious problem for the national unity in Indonesia. But Erwin, is there among the Indonesian people more support in some quarters for a more conservative Islam? I mean, is the politics really just reflecting the sentiments of of a particular part of the population, which I guess is a democratic function? I think for the what we call the Islamist group, it's, it's more like with the change of technology, it gave the opportunity for them to learn about the pure Islamic teachings, which is something that probably haven't heard before. So, for example, now we can see like more women wearing hijab, for example, uh, more people like following the traditional hadiths, the Prophet Muhammad guideline for way of life. And uh, oh, now we cannot say like Merry Christmas, for example. You know what I mean? Although the, there's not really recorded in the traditional way of hadith, but uh, make the interpretation to make the Muslim back to the pure, to the real teaching. This is something unheard before. But because of the technology, YouTube, podcasts, and social media, people are more exposed to learn the other side of Islamic teachings. Mm -hmm. So we might think that this is the rise of conservatism, but it is correct. But at the same time, I would just say people just trying to be more like practicing Muslim as Mm -hmm. we, we see like more young people now doing hijrah. Hijrah definition is act, was actually happened when Prophet Muhammad and the first Muslims were executed in Mecca and then they moved to Medina, right? But now young people in Indonesia using that hijrah term as a way to sort of moving from your previous life, old life, to like a new sort of enlightenment and more practicing. So what we see is like maybe it's the rise of conservatism, but at the same time, people are just trying to be more practicing Muslim. Now, just finally, Erwin, there was one interesting, quite liberal twist in the laws. Doesn't it reform the application of the death penalty so that we may, in fact, see far fewer executions in Indonesia? Yeah, unfortunately, because the Indonesian old criminal code was inherited from the Dutch colonial state, and that's also included a range of outdated provision, including that sentence. But as the one of the Indonesian parliament members said, this ratification is for making the laws more progressive and human. But with the death sentence, it has been criticized by many experts because Apparently, Indonesia is still going to apply that for, you know, like high crimes such as drug dealing or drug users. We might ask, like, this is not progressive at all. And what happened to those human rights activists who have been asking to scrap that law, you know? And many of the people or social media users, for example, saying that these new laws, like, didn't listen to anyone at all, like, from the civil society. Yeah.
So again, this is just to show, this is only to serve uh, those who are in power. ABC Indonesia specialist Erwin Rinaldi, and we're on air here at the Religion and Ethics Report and the ABC Listen app. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.